Hi, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Crypto Chick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. I have a very special show in store for all of you today because I will have a guest co-host joining me this time. Anna Hola Ward is known as the mother of startups in Silicon Valley and is an expert when it comes to interviews. Together, we will both be interviewing Dr. Larry Sanger, co-founder of Wikipedia and chief information officer for Everpedia. Since joining Everpedia, Dr. Sanger has been raising awareness for decentralized social networks that allow users to be in control of their personal data. Without further ado, let's jump on over to the interview. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to the Crypto Chick Podcast. Today, I've got a very special show in store for everyone because I've got, first of all, a wonderful guest who's very well known, and I have a guest co-host today who's joining us, and I'll just go ahead and let uh, let her introduce herself first. So, Anne, take it away. Hi. Thank you so much, Rachel. My name is Anne Ahola Ward. I am best known as the mother of startups here in Silicon Valley. I am a O'Reilly author, futurist, and a bit of a raconteur. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Anne, we're so happy to have you here. It's always fun to have a co-host who I'm also friends with. And um, on that note, I'm going to introduce our guest today, Dr. Larry Sanger. Dr. Sanger, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. And can you tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, about your background and yourself? Well, uh, I was trained as a philosopher. I thought I was going to be a philosophy professor. And then for reasons I won't get into, I decided not to. And I ended up working on websites. And uh, the first big one that I that I started was Wikipedia. Um, but I've worked on quite a few others since then um, and before that, for that matter. Like uh, one that I'm rather proud of is called Reading Bear, which is uh, it teaches kids how to read. And uh, that was a labor of love. It was hard. It, but uh, I, I'm a homeschooler. I play Irish fiddle. Um, I live in Ohio deliberately, like avoided the coasts. And uh, let's see. Um, I suppose that's enough for now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Everpedia. So obviously, you're the co-founder of Wikipedia. But, um, you know, I'm interested to know what made you want to join Everpedia as the chief information officer? It, it began in, uh, in 2015 when I first met the, the guys, uh, virtually anyway. They, uh, Sam and Teddy and Mahbod uh, gave me a call and basically introduced the idea of a, uh, an encyclopedia of everything with no restrictions on topics. And that would be completely redesigned from the ground up. Uh, to be uh, have a, a more modern design, and it would be a lot easier to contribute to. And uh, so that sounded really exciting. Um, but I was working on my own projects at the time. And around the same time, I, I, I was percolating an idea, a variant on an idea that actually I've been working with for years now, which is basically collecting all of uh, the encyclopedia articles in the world, links to them anyway, putting them in a database and, and um, allowing the public to rate all of these articles. And uh, if the, the public were also allowed to volunteer information about themselves um, in, in terms of things like 
academic specializations and affiliations, um, their industry they work in, the uh, nationality, ethnicity, uh, gender, um, and whatever, then we would be able to uh, present and represent uh, rankings of articles according to different groups. So you'd be able to see the top-ranked article according to Christians about God uh, versus the top-ranked article according to atheists. Wouldn't that be an interesting comparison? So I was really excited about about that project, and I was like trying to get the guys actually to work on this uh, project. They were trying to get me to work with them. And I actually, uh, between gigs, came and, and visited them. And uh, that was... 2017, but but uh, we weren't able to agree on a, a deal at the time. And then Sam Kazmian, who is now the president of Everpedia, is uh, he? Well, he called me. Uh, I guess that's about a year and a half ago now, and said we are thinking of moving Everpedia to the blockchain. And and by this time. I'd already been giving them some advice every so often and and uh, had been following their progress and saw all kinds of great traction. And the fact that, that Sam thought that uh, they'd be moving to the blockchain um, and that that would make the, the sort of greater wiki idea, that's what I called it, possible, really um, got my attention. So I um, quit the, the uh, local startup job that I was working on at the time and and uh, came to work for the guys. And um, yeah, so, and it, we've been working hard on developing Everpedia on the blockchain pretty much ever since. So what do you believe are the main problems with the centralized sort of model of social media today? Do you feel like it's the big tech companies themselves or is it just the business model maybe here that's flawed, just the whole concept of centralization? Just curious your take on that. Well, um, I don't know about, I mean, insofar as the business model involves selling our private information to advertisers, then yeah, there's definitely something wrong with the business model. At the, at the very least, anyway, um, we should get a cut of that and, and we should be able to opt out and pay and, and pay for our participation in a different way. I think that's, that is, is a, a pretty, pretty big criticism of uh, social media that a lot of us have today. But I actually think that that actually is a, an, a, just an aspect of a broader problem which is as as you say um centralization um of of our data and uh, there's actually two different ways of of looking at this data ownership on the one hand is uh, would be the principle that that we should be in control of and serve our own data um from our own resources and anyone like Facebook or Twitter or whatever should then have to use it um, as and when we we uh, specify uh, and not the other way around. But another uh, sort of going hand in hand with that is the idea that the whole social media ecosystem ecosystem should be decentralized. What that means is, well, it means a couple of different things. 
Um, it begins actually with the uh, data ownership. So you you own your own data, but in order for that to be uh, usable widely, it needs to be published in a common format. Um, and there already are social media protocols and standards out there, kind of doing for for uh, social media what RSS does for blogs. So that's another aspect. Uh, and a third aspect is that existing social media pro- platforms need to be made backward compatible with with the, the new um, common standards. In other words, um, I should be able within uh, Twitter, for example, to see tweet-like posts, micro posts that are published somewhere else, not on Twitter, in my Twitter feed. And similarly, if I happen to use Twitter as my main source of, of information, they should make my information um, absolutely um, you know, my, my tweets, my content sh- should make it totally portable so I could take it elsewhere if I want to. So somebody who's on Mastodon, just for example, because there are many, many others, somebody on Mastodon should be able to see my tweets folded in among uh, Mastodon. Right. There's, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that, that's the basic idea. And the, the fact that we don't have that now is the problem. It's, it's the ultimate reason why the social media giants have as much power over us as they do. Right. And speaking of Mastodon, you, when I saw you speak at South by Southwest, you held up Mastodon as an example of what decentralized social media could look like, but how do they overcome the network effects? Uh, Meaning the larger network becomes, you know, the larger network becomes the more it matters. So that becomes a difficult thing to combat. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I, first of all, let me say I don't have any relationship whatsoever with Mastodon. <laughs> um, and I'm not actually touting Mastodon as, as uh, the You're not the endorsing great them. Yeah. hope. <laughs> I, there, are, there are others. There's lots of others. There's like, um, there's Diaspora, there's, there's Gab, there's Minds, there's um, a, a, a bunch of others that actually people haven't heard of. And uh, and some of them are are probably absolutely fine. And I actually think that there should be, you know, room for all of these different competitors within a decentralized ecosystem. And this is one reason. The reason that I'm saying all this right now is I don't want people to get the idea that I am touting Mastodon. It's actually the concept that I'm that I'm after here. And I'm not even like trying to set up the world to like get on board some future Everpedia uh, social media system. I, I, my motives when I talk about this are pure. I hope I am trying to, to um, solve a personal problem that I have um, about social media, which, which is like, maybe I should give the background on this actually, because I think it, it actually is relevant. I had a problem uh, in December. Um, somebody, hacked my phone and they actually managed to reset my Google password and they got into uh, Coinbase. Oh, no. um, wow. That's and, awful. Yeah. And that sort of lit a fire under me. Fortunately, they didn't take anything out of Coinbase because there really wasn't much there. 
I had already been thinking about privacy and, and I had been thinking about problems with social media. And, and um, so this just really lit a fire under me. Uh, and I started really researching, um, reading a few books about privacy. It, it's funny. In December, I got, uh, well, in Christmas, I got some of these Amazon dots, I think they're called, or echoes, for, for my family. And it was just like two days after I just had this this epiphany. It's like, why the hell did I do that? I, I shouldn't have given them those those presents. I really regret it now um, because I was basically giving my my family, uh, you know, um, they were they were being spied on, uh, you know, by Amazon and whoever can hack into Amazon or who, whoever Amazon gives. Uh, access to and it's just absolutely horrifying to me, and and so partly by way of doing penance, I suppose, I ended up um, writing uh, a a blog post, which has lately gotten a huge amount of of play for some reason. I don't know why it took two months. Basically, explaining what I was going to do to lock down my cyber life, as I, as I say, that I think that's the title, how, how I'm locking down my cyber life. And it, it, was, it was actually in, in facing up to the problems with social media that I started thinking about, uh, about the awful effects uh, of the fact that social media is centralized. I mean, how on earth, if I leave if I leave Facebook, which was my plan, I mean that that became my plan. I'm not. I'm only solving a problem for myself, and I'm doing it imperfect, imperfectly because I actually like social media. I mean, I think it's a waste of time a lot of times, and I, I, it has some bad political effects. But we're not going to get rid of it, right? right. It's, it's um, an addiction. It's an addiction like anything else, right? Yeah, yeah so I'm it, addicted it, to it social media. It probably has its place. <laughs> yeah, it has its place, right? right. Um, so we're not going to get rid of it, and uh, so that just make makes me think. Well, then this problem really, because I want to stay in contact via some social media with family and friends. How can I possibly do that? Well, the only way that I could do it really is by helping to advocate for a, a decentralization of social media so that when uh, a family member who isn't on, or rather a family member who is on Facebook, for example, um, logs onto Facebook, she ought to be able to see some post that I put on my blog or on Minds or whatever it might be in among the the uh, the posts that are there. Uh, that is what, how it would work if we had a, a, a decentralized system. Right. So um, anyway. Right. Well, Dr. I think I got off track. Yeah, no, yep. no, no. You didn't get off track. Um, I mean, it's really interesting, but I think, you know, it would be interesting to talk about what these networks like Google and Facebook are doing with users' data right now if you want to go mm -hmm. into that a little bit? Well, uh, the news reports that I've said, I'm, I'm not an, any sort of expert or, or like uh, I, I haven't done any sort of journalism on, on this point. So I'm, I'm not really um, the best person to ask, but I, I can tell you what has like sprang to mind like recently, for example. Facebook uh, has um, 
but this has actually as much to do with security as privacy. Facebook stored uh, millions of people's passwords in plain text, plain text, um, not encrypted on their servers, so that you could actually, if you had the permissions, and there were like two two thousand people in uh, Facebook who had permissions to search through a, a database that included people's passwords, and theoretically, you could get it and and log in as someone and look at their their private um, posts that were sent only to family members. And that's just, that's kind of horrific. I, uh, here's another thing. Um, when I deleted Facebook, which I did permanently on, on my deletion day, which was um, February 18th, um, just before doing that, I made a, a backup of all of my data. Um, and at least Facebook has the decency to allow you to do that in some format. But uh, they actually give you uh, a fair bit of data on like who has your information, basically. And I was just absolutely amazed at how many different corporations basically were were f- essentially following me for advertising purposes that uh that's a lot of auto companies a lot of a lot of dealerships for some reason um, well they probably make money off of ads and identif- of course identify yeah. you as is having having money so they are following you <laughs> sure i guess but, but to, yeah. to your but to your point though about how how scary all this information is and how much you saw that they had. Mm-hmm. What what would you say to people who feel like, you know what, it's too late. I think apathy right now is our biggest enemy mm-hmm. because so many people feel defeated already. So what would yeah. you say to those who say it's just too late? They've already got everything already. It's so obviously false if you know anything about how the internet works. Um, they, they don't have everything, um, unless you make the assumption, which I think is, is wrong. Um, but if you make the assumption that you simply must work within the, the social networks that most people are already on and that you just don't have any choice, but to do that, then, uh, yeah, you might, you might come to that conclusion, but even in that case, it isn't like there's nothing that we can do. Even if you like don't want to leave Facebook and Twitter because that's where all the action is, so I I have a a, a plan. I think my plan is not not the only possible plan, but it's the one that I'm working on now. And shall I shall I sort of explain what what uh, what the plan is as as I um, presented it at uh, South by Southwest? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know you brought up the coordination problem. Um, in, yeah, so, yeah. I would I would love for you to to talk about that. And yeah, plan to solve it. Yeah. So the coordination problem basically is is a problem with you know in that uh, economists talk about and actually academics in other fields as well just is essentially uh, it, it seems irrational to take an action on your own um that might be really beneficial and extremely rational for you to take if many other people were taking it at the same time but uh there doesn't seem to be any clear and easy way um to uh, coordinate 
all the mass behavior that you would like to see. In the case of social media, you might like, as I did like a few years ago, I, I made a Mastodon account uh, and I said, hey, everybody, why don't you make Mastodon accounts uh, too and we can like try it out. So this is a couple of years ago. And of course, like nobody did. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I mean, why would they? Because all of the action is going to be happening on Twitter and they'd just be trying out yet another social media network. And like 10 years ago, even as recently as five years ago, there were lots of competing social media networks um, and well, the winners have been announced. We know what they are. You know, um, there's there's a few also rans. You know, um, but if it's videos, it's YouTube. If it's if it's pictures, then it's Instagram. If it's short messages, it's Twitter. If it's like sharing with family and friends, it's Facebook. And you know, that's it. They've won. We can't do anything about it. And nobody's uh, properly incentivized. No, nobody is uh, to, to, to leave because we have the coordination problem. So here's the, the, the solution, or at least uh, a possible solution. First of all, we need to raise awareness that there is another, op uh, another option. And to that end, what I want to do is co-author a declaration of digital independence, basically, which lays out what all the problems with social media are and then um, declares that what we need is a decentralized system in which we own our own data in which uh, the social media giants are uh, required by their users to the extent that the users can require this to release their data under a, a common standard and protocol and that we are enabled to export our data easily and quickly from existing social media networks so that um, Twitter, for example, will become just one, maybe an important part, but just one part of a much broader um, collection of uh, uh, micro-posting services, each of which is basically a micro-post reader. So this is a very powerful idea. Everybody who hears about it loves the idea. And why wouldn't they? It, it's pretty I much mean, what we need. You got Jack on Twitter to say yes. So I was pretty impressed by that. <laughs> yes. I, I think Jack realizes the the um, the uh, power of the idea um, when I said, will you do these things? And he basically said yes. And without get, giving anything away, I can tell you that I've, I've been in touch with him um, separately. He gave me details, and I think they're very serious about this. Dr. Sanger, by the way, when the time is right, I want to know those details. <laughs> uh, 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 For sure. I'm not, I'm not at liberty. I'm when the not, time is right. When the time is right. <laughs> yeah. I'll be waiting. Yeah. So, um, so the first step then is to draft this, this uh, declaration of digital independence. And um, Basically, I I want I would love to pick your guys' brains about this, right? Because um, I know you've thought a lot about this too. And um, yes. what what is exactly the strategy that we should use to get as many people on board to like 
have the people who have been working in this area for years and years, and there are there are quite a few actually, to sort of lay aside the ego in order to to join together on something that they can all agree on, right? And I, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily have to be anything that I drafted. I'd be happy to get behind something as long as it actually served the purpose of you know raising awareness of uh, of people to the uh, this other option of of a decentralized social media and then so if it were marketed properly if if the the effort um were done properly i think we could get millions and millions of people to basically sign on to this sort of uh declaration of digital independence or whatever it would be called a manifesto right, right. i i agree i mean I definitely think marketing it is is a big deal in raising awareness. I mean, I don't know if you guys have watched this, but last night on Netflix, I watched a doc. I watched a documentary called Social Animals. Um, have you guys seen that? Hmm. Um, okay. No. Well, it was all no. about yeah. Instagram and you know how you know Instagram uh. has all of these users, and they focused on three users, and it just shows like the impact of Instagram. And, and you know, I was watching it, and I was like, wow, I need to go check my Instagram and do all this stuff on Instagram, and I should be posting more. And I mean, I really think that, you know, if uh-huh. we raise awareness, if we did a documentary, something like that to get people to understand, like, there's more to out more out there than just Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and there are ways to actually own your data. Um, anyways. Yeah. Right, right. And to, to kind of echo off of Rachel's point, I believe that if we figure out what the financial incentives are, then that gets that gets people interested a lot faster. Right. Um, because mm-hmm. for whatever reason as, as you know, humanity, we're kind of motivated by profit. And so uh-huh. I think, you know, we need to paint the picture. To Some people. of us more than others. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think, but we have to paint a picture that is, this is how we're going to operate. And this is what this could mean. And there is a yeah. path, there is a path here. And I spend a lot of my time talking to people about that. And I think we, we've got to find a way to trigger everybody out of their apathy and into action. And so I think that comes with the concept of, yes, I can own my data and here's how, and, and seeing that I think is, is seeing as believing, but, you know, I think a question that a lot of people have when you start really kind of, okay, I buy into your reality of decentralization. This yeah. is all very cool. How do, how do people make money? How do these companies make money? How do they exist? Um, what does that revenue look like? You know, I think that problem is going to take care of itself one way or another if there's enough people, um, uh, if, if basically a market is created. Because what, what I want to propose is that people, um, by getting so um, excited uh, about a, a possibility that we basically didn't know existed, um, or most people didn't know existed, by, by getting them really excited by that, that creates a new market. And then we'll figure out how to make money from it. Well, what about, um, you know, Everpedia, for example? It, there, there are incentives. There's uh, a token, right? Uh, maybe can you just talk a little bit about that and how that works just while we're on this topic? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, but I do want to come back to, to all, all, all this because I haven't finished, finished explaining my, uh, the, the plan that I have in mind. But yes, yeah, so Everpedia's uh, token is the IQ token. We went live with it. We did an airdrop last June, and that was uh, that was exciting. So over half of our tokens are now in the hands of EOS holders. 
And the way that the token works is if you um, make a contribution to Everpedia, a new article or an edit to an article, or if you just rate on uh, rate somebody else's edit, uh, up or down a, a vote at this point, then you can... Um, if your your work is accepted, uh, um, it, it is rewarded by not by the company, but by interaction with the blockchain in IQ tokens. Uh, so you actually um, are not just paid to work on Everpedia. You're you actually become a co-owner of the network behind it. And the network is much bigger than everpedia.org. It lives on IPFS. It lives on an EOS-based blockchain. And that enables other apps to be developed um, that make use of the same data. Other uh, encyclopedia publishers will be able to put their stuff onto the the blockchain. We're going to make it easy for them, um, I hope, this year. And, uh, you know, making the technical tools that that will... um, you know, really make that uh, easy. And then uh, those encyclopedia publishers as well will be able to supplement their income streams with tokens earned through, um, again, interaction with with the blockchain, with it, with our um, smart contracts. I So I do think that that is an example of how people can be financially incentivized um, to participate in a new kind of social network or something like a social network. I don't know if we can call an encyclopedia creation community a, a, a social network, but but obviously the same principle applies um, for those who are starting. Um, and there are a few, I guess, blockchain-based social networks. So yeah, that I would say is definitely one of the possible business models uh, for a, a decentralized uh, social media um, ecosystem. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, sorry, I, I didn't mean to um, get you off track. What you were what you were talking about before we started talking about the IQ token. Maybe we we should go back to that. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So very. Uh, I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail unless you uh, want me to. But the the basic idea is at about the same time that we are getting people interested in signing a declaration of digital independence, we would also get them to uh, strike or at least declare their interest in striking. And I was thinking uh, on July 4th, everybody would um, basically start posting um, or having some app post on a regular basis. I'm on strike. Um, I'm not using uh, social media today. Maybe it would last one or two or three days. And uh, you can imagine how, especially if we get some big influencers on board with this, they start um, uh, setting up an app that will tweet for them every hour. I'm on strike. Um, Please sign the Declaration of Digital Independence and um, see me on this other network and they can choose whatever they want or these other networks. And uh, because they actually support the principles of decentralization. And uh, I I actually think we can get a lot of people doing that. I think we could get to the point where on July 4th or July 5th, 
a lot of people's feeds would just be absolutely filled with these messages that say, we're on strike. Don't use social media today. If you do, you're being a scab. Um, and, <laughs> and instead, um, use this other or, or another one of your choice. Or maybe um, don't even use social media at, at all and send a message to the social media companies that we are really serious about um, requiring them to uh, decentralize their operations, to support other other options um, and and uh, to use to allow people to own their own data, to adopt common standards, and also light a fire behind the people who have the uh, who manage some standards that are already in existence to try to um, make them interoperable and and uh, basically get them talking to each other so that so that they will settle on a common standard. Like I'm not going to try to manage that process at all because I know nothing about it. All I can say is I want them to solve that problem and it badly needs to be solved. Yeah. So and then and then at the same time, um, perhaps the people who, you know, the 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 first signatories or drafters can recommend a few um, of the leading uh, social networks, alternate social networks that do support the principles of uh, of decentralized social media and, you know, get everybody um, trying them out for a day. It wouldn't necessarily have to be the same day as the, as the uh, strike, but it could be. And uh, that would solve the, um, the coordination problem directly. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I love the idea of it. And I can definitely say I'll participate and tell everyone I know but I, I feel like as a whole right now, we're kind of at a crossroads, very similar to what we were, you know, where we were in the 90s with open source. And, and we spoke about that when we first met. And I, I really mm. feel like we're at a critical juncture because enterprise has their eye on blockchain. And I saw a statistic recently, something like 85 of Fortune 100 had done heavy due diligence on blockchain and how to use it yeah. in organizations. And yeah. so I'm hearing a lot of events in Silicon Valley about permission-based blockchain. And the sort of selling point is speed. I think that mm -hmm. a permission-based blockchain is essentially a cul-de-sac. <laughs> and, uh -huh. and I'm not for, I'm not for cul-de-sacs. So Mm -hmm. Don't you don't you think that if we go down this path and we get more of permission based blockchain that we're basically going to have, you know, balkanization and sort of fractured reality or or do you see that as a danger? I definitely see that as a danger. This is one of the um, criticisms that I have had of blockchain projects um, and not not by uh, giant corporations, but by little ones, actually, you know, uh, I, from the the first blockchain companies that that I encountered at at my first blockchain conferences, which is now I guess a year and a half ago actually, so I'm kind of a newcomer to this. To to uh, to be quite honest, one of the first things that I noticed because I know all about decentralization, um, being from the open source slash open content world, is that uh, a, a lot of the companies that start blockchains are not taking any special steps um, to ensure that other people um, outside of their company or outside of their 
customer base are actually using the blockchain. I mean, if it's decentralized, and if you're going to argue that decentralization is an advantage, then it has to actually be, well, used by people that you're not in control of. And you actually have to uh, set out to give up, uh, give up some control. So uh, the, the idea that, you know, of course, a, a blockchain, there isn't anything about a blockchain per se that uh, requires you um, give up control. Um, you can set right. things up so that you are the exclusive owner, um, and and that uh, you know even if uh, e- even if there is a decentralized network, you can still be in control of the network essentially, um, or a a, a, a small uh, group of of big players can be. Yeah, that's and I absolutely agree that that's a problem and. Um, so this is why, actually, I uh, one of the reasons, I guess, why I have been putting this in terms of just decentralization in general and not blockchain, even though I think blockchain is really the perfect technology. It is, um, I I like to call it the technology of decentralization. It is the perfect technology for this. But on the other hand, if um, people don't do what needs to be done in order to ensure that it is used outside of their local group, um, then it's not really decentralized. I'll give you another example from outside of blockchain, um, just to show you that the, the same problem reoccurs. There's a huge proliferation of standards for, uh, as you would expect, for social media you can look on on wikipedia for uh a, a whole list of different um uh distributed networking uh, social networking projects i think that's what they call it on wikipedia distributed social networking and uh and there's a huge bunch of different standards and of course whoever publishes a standard wants it to be the standard but you know, if they're the only ones using it, then it's not really a uh, it's not really a standard, and it it doesn't help decentralize the uh, uh, social media. So, in order for social media or anything to be successfully decentralized, what that means is it you have to give up some control um, and join forces. That means that there's ultimately going to have to be some sort of democratic uh, control through um, some sorts of institutions, like in the case of domain names, for example, that would be ICANN. In the case of Internet standards, you know, that's going to be the W3C um, and so forth. So there needs to be some uh, agreement and really hard work on the part of the the uh, standards experts to like really achieve decentralization in a really meaningful way by um, getting everybody on the same page and giving up some of your own local control because if you don't do that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Well. Well. Hopefully on July fourth, you know, and Anne already said she's on board. I'd be on board. So maybe we can get this movement started. I mean, I, I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. 
<laughs> All right. Excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. So I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a, a, a copy of this, uh, of a draft that I've done, but I, and maybe you can give me some advice on how you see this, you know, going forward. And um, and and your the the friend of yours that that you introduced me to at South by Southwest. Oh right, Brittany Kaiser, um, our good friend. Br- yes. Brittany. Brittany's amazing. Yes, I wanna she I wanna is. talk to her some more and and um and get her uh, advice on this too. I think maybe the way the way forward is is um just to get some really good writers. Um, and they don't have to be like A listers. B listers would suffice. Um, and, <laughs> I'm an A lister, uh, guys. I can't. Who, we're, okay. just, just to be clear, it's a list. Totally. Okay. 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 Yes. And, and get them together. And like, so, so we can um, have, uh, you know, again, strength in, in numbers. And then when we've agreed on, on something, then we could go up to some really famous, really influential people and and uh, see what they would need in order to get on board and just sort of gradually by accretion, uh, perhaps um, get more and more influencers on board. And I, I think ultimately that's going to be the way to um, make this thing um, go super viral by actually trying to coordinate uh, a little bit among uh, among the people who are really potentially interested in this. So I've, I've already got some people in mind, but I actually haven't talked to too many of them yet. So, well, Dr. Sanger, this is, you know, this is so fascinating. I'm sure, you know, both Anne and I could talk to you for hours about this, but we're running low on time. I'm um, just out of curiosity. I'm sure some of the listeners uh, would maybe want to be involved with this also. So how could they get involved? Uh, that's a good question. I, I haven't really set up any sort of mailing list yet. I was thinking of doing that, um, but I haven't done it yet. Just like follow my Twitter account for sure. What is your um, Twitter account again? And Sorry. It's just L. Sanger. At L. Sanger. Yeah, at L. Sanger. And then, I, you know, they can always email me. For, for Everpedia stuff, it would be Larry at everpedia.com. And for just personal stuff, uh, it would be Larry at Sanger.io. And um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm busy, but I'm not too busy to, you know, work on this stuff. This is definitely the, the uh, Everpedia guys are 100% behind me. Um, so like, um, uh, they, they really, uh, support this whole uh, effort, which I'm very happy about um, to have to have their support, and um, so that means that like I can talk to people absolutely. And uh, so, if you have any ideas, like you want to share with me about uh, how to go about this, if you've got some, the thing that the problem that I really want to solve more than anything right now is I've been just sort of waiting for lightning to strike on this. How do I get the most famous people in the world all to sign on to a a, a declaration of digital independence because i think if that happens uh, everything everything will flow from that then we can make everything else happen so what's the strategy to get the attention of um uh, forgive me the a listers which i you know 
I wouldn't count myself as one, frankly. <gasps> oh, I don't think that's fair. I would definitely count you. Everyone on this call is A-list. It's uh, sad. <laughs> <laughs> my, my ego has been boosted, but it doesn't need to. <laughs> but I, I I, hear what you're saying, and I, I, I mean, you've got Army of One and Two right here. Uh, All and, right. And we're, we're definitely excited for this. And, you know, I think there, there are, are ways to do it. I mean, I don't know if it's going to take, like, a kitten meme or, you know, something, <laughs> something to grab. I, I like to use GIFs. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely something that, uh, we can coordinate on because I really truly sure. believe, I believe in this because I, I, I see, it feels so much to me like a do over what's happening in the world right now in tech and blockchain. It feels like yeah. so much like the nineties again, and I want us to get it right. So, yeah. so I think that's worth fighting for. Right. Agreed. And, and, and just on that note, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're kind you know, you're, you're definitely on the same page as. Dr. Sanger, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to chat with you about this? Um, absolutely. I would love that. I am Anbot at everything. So A-N-N-E-B-O-T. Uh, most most likely to find me is Twitter. Uh, I kind of live on there. But Anbot at everything, Anbot at Gmail, Anbot at uh, Anbot.com. I- I'm there. Cool. <laughs> Great. Well, um, without further ado, I, I think that kind of sums everything up and we're kind of running out of, out of time now. So Dr. Sanger, and do you have any other final thoughts? The only thing that I want to add um, is that uh, this is a call to action. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be asking you to do or what I'm going to be asking you to sign, but whoever is listening to this, I do want you to, to sign on to uh, a manifesto that will send a signal to the uh, tech uh, giants, to the social media giants, that we're going to start owning our data, we're going to make it happen, and we demand that you get on board. We we require that your uh, social media platforms become decentralized and part of something larger than they are now. Okay, wonderful. Well, that all sounds great. And, you know, thank you so much, Dr. Sanger, for joining us today. And of course, thank you, Anne, for joining me as the co-host for today's episode. It's been fun. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Everpedia and what the team is doing. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. For instance, what did you guys think about me having a co-host on the show? How did you guys like having Anne join me? You can reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. I look forward to your feedback. Thanks for listening. See you next time. 